This is Channel 253 Sports. This week on the Flounders B-Team Podcast. If Boca Juniors is looking at a guy uh, and a Mexican team is looking at a guy and MLS is looking at the same guy, they have three different prices for three of one of those teams. And MLS is typically on the higher end. In 2004, 30 years after the birth of the Seattle Sounders, a crack podcasting unit was sent to prison by a federal court for a crime they didn't commit. These men and women promptly, well, eventually, escaped from a minimum security luxury prison camp to the Tacoma Underground. Today, still wanted by the Timbers Army for dropping trial in front of Jeltwin, they survive as supporters of fortune. If you need a hot take, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Flounders BT. Hey everybody, this is Steve and you are listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. That's right, we are back once again with a fantastic show for you. My goodness, we have in studio uh, Nico Moreno, uh, scouting journalist extraordinaire, doing all kinds of fun stuff. And um, well, you just broke a a, a story here um, uh, just a little bit ago and um, definitely interested in hearing a little bit about that. I don't know if you can give me a two second teaser on that. Uh, yeah, just a great uh, one-on-one conversation, getting the very first initial thoughts uh, from Nicolas Odero, Sounder ooh. captain. What better way to tap into what we could look forward to, what players are feeling like going into a season mm. when there are so many changes than by talking to the one and only Nicolas Odero. Well, I can't wait to hear that conversation. Of course, we also have Tim Hamilton. Say hey, man. Hey, man, this is Tim Hamilton, and you're listening to the Flounders B Team. See, you could do this. This is, it's easy. It's trivial. (laughs) Hey, hey. Porsche to the main stage. Porsche. (laughs) I'm going to cut that. No. (laughs) Uh, John Murphy, how you doing? Uh, You know, I almost got to see Jordan Morris play soccer in January. That wasn't a CCL Mm. game. And uh, yeah, almost. 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 Almost being the keyword there. So close. So close. So, yeah, lots of big stuff happening. We're recording on January 27th. Super exciting day. Let's see. Today we had uh, some responses from the MLS uh, and MLSPA regarding uh, the bargaining that's going on right now. MLS seems to be uh, gearing up for perhaps a work stoppage. They're sending the memos out, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Of course, it's silly season. Uh, Speculation on roster. Always fun to talk about when Nico's in the room. Uh, We want to talk about the the impacts of the loss of Chris Henderson, uh, the main scout for the Seattle Sounders and, and what that means going forward. Nico's definitely got some great perspectives on that. Uh, playing the kids. I want to talk about the Swansea game with jo- uh, Jordan Morris and see what that actually means for us um, going forward. If we're kind of hanging on to hanging on to uh, uh, playing the kids for a while, you know, what does that look like? Uh, collective bargaining. Um, and then, you know, perhaps maybe some player perspectives. If Nico's got time, see where we're at with that kind of stuff. That sounds like a good agenda, boys. Sounds like a great yeah. idea. All like right. It. All right. Chris Henderson, man, that's, we've been, we've been kind of mulling that over for a little bit. And that seems like a, a pretty significant loss. What does that mean for the Seattle Sounders going forward? Do they have a plan? I mean, it's difficult, Steve. I mean, I I can really relate to your difficulty of putting it together because it really <laughs> right? it, it it really is a, a bigger deal than most people think. Mm-hmm. I was very uh, impressed, and honestly, um, I was glad that Garth Lagerway was so. Uh, candid about everything and just kind of let it out and literally mentioned that you can't replace Chris Henderson. You're going to have yeah. to just go a- a- and get different people that have maybe aspects of what he used to do. There's going to be an interview process. They're going to interview uh, guys with different uh, abilities, different attributes, maybe some that are better in youth development, maybe mm-hmm. some that have connections down uh, in South America in scouting. I mean, they're, they're really going to have to do a, a, a job of uh, trying to, uh, if not replicate the person, replicate all, everything that he brought to the table because as the sporting uh, director and vice president of soccer, uh, he was absolutely one of the best in the business. This was long time coming. Uh, he had been scouted by Miami in the past. He did an interview. Uh, he had other teams that were interested. 
before that. And it's just a huge hit because connections, networking is huge when it comes to scouting. And that's just phase one. Just who you talk to, who you know, South America, Europe, uh, in the Netherlands. I know he has a lot of uh, connections. Uh, in Spain, he, he has some. Uh, in second division of Spain, I mean, mm-hmm. Chris Henderson, when you really study him, I mean, I've been following him for a very long time. And the more I learned about him, the deeper I got, the more connections I got myself, the more I realized how much he did. Then there's the nose for talent, the ability to understand what a player can bring to the table, not just on the field, but off the field, the um, intangibles that a player can have. Is this guy uh, too much of a party animal? Is he maybe too young, too immature? Uh, Is he going to be playing for the Sounders or is he going to be trying to just make the jump to Europe immediately? I mean, he was so focused and so spot on with guys like Raul Ridiaz, who is to me the best uh, forward that the team has had in franchise history. Uh, most productive, uh, you know, he has the uh, uh, the, the the best uh, goal percentage per minute. Uh, you got Nicolas Odero, who is a pillar, a, a cornerstone of this franchise. Uh, to me, in the argument for the best signing in MLS history, I mean, the, he just did so many things. And even with the smaller guys, the Gustavs Benses, the Kim Kihis, those guys that when they were brought on, you didn't think they were going to do much, but he knew what he needed to do. Who are the guys that were going to bring in certain things to the table? And that's what you're missing when you don't have Chris Anderson. When would we – are we just wasting a season? I mean, is, is, is COVID a good time to uh, – Henderson's usually – I mean, the conversations are he's usually like two or three windows into the future. So You're right. Who, who's he working on that – is there going to be a, a, a lost generation, a, yeah. a, a year or two, right. where we just don't have the same people coming in? Um yeah, we were speculating last week as to, you know, there's got to be some kind of succession plan, right? Where um, does does the stuff that's already in the pipeline kind of stay there? Or does that pipeline kind of shift over to uh, Miami now? Uh, and, yeah. and they get those because Miami wants those relationships. That's why they hired them, right? That's an excellent question. And uh, the research that is very limited at this time that I've been able to do suggests that a lot of the networking is staying here, uh, including Sean Henderson, his brother, someone who was neck to neck with him uh, with a lot of these deals. Uh, He is a very likable person, someone who can literally go down to South America, maybe with an interpreter because he doesn't speak Spanish, uh, and really uh, keep those relationships going. Uh, And I I say South America, I mean, people obviously they're, they always wonder why I talk to America. That's because that's where I have most of my connections. So that's where I can really say, hey, Sean Henderson does have connections down there. Definitely a likable guy, someone who's still got a lot of networking. And there's other scouting team. The other part of the scouting team is also staying here. So uh, I think that those players that they were looking at will stay here. Obviously, Chris takes his contacts, takes uh, uh, other leads that perhaps he – didn't start working on here. Uh, but I would think that Sean Henderson and those who stayed here in that network will continue to work in some of those other players. In terms of who's going to replace him, I have no idea. It does not sound like he's going to be Sean Henderson by what Garth Lagerway told me. I directly asked him about Sean. And although he didn't say that he was not, not going to be Chris, he just mentioned that there was going to be a huge interview process. And regardless of who would take that position, they wanted Sean to continue to develop, to grow, to polish. So that to me tells me that he's probably in the running and they probably have a lot of, uh, they see a lot of potential in him, but he might not be the guy right now. That, that's just what I read in between the lines of what Garth said. You're speaking of Garth uh, and development, just like you said, uh, I think, what he had said in his uh, in his press conference was that, uh, or the meeting that you guys had, was that the next person is they they might be leaning towards somebody that's got a little bit more uh, development in their background. So I think that means maybe trying to cultivate Tacoma and get those guys, um, you know, or maybe this is a situation where they activate that young money clause and start bringing in some 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 younger DPS um, to develop them and either play them or sell them on. So we're probably going to find somebody that has a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, maybe a GM or coach 
at some point. And, and you're really starting to see that now, uh, Tim, and that, that's a good point. Uh, all around the league, uh, talking from a, a Colombian perspective, I mean, uh, David Caicedo just came on to Vancouver. He's a 20-year-old uh, prospect that has been going through the national youth system for Colombia. He is a nifty, quick, uh, very uh, creative player that's going to be playing on the other wing of uh, Dahomey uh, down in Vancouver. Uh, you have uh, the guy from Patriotas that ended up going to um, Dallas. Uh, you have uh, the kid from the Deportes Tolima whose name escapes me right now. Uh, that uh, apparently is going to go into Columbus. So you got all these younger players. You got uh, Santi uh, Santiago Rodriguez, who's going to be going to New York City FC. Uh, that th- those news I broke uh, earlier this year uh, that he's going to be their new guy in New York City FC. So you see all these uh, young 21, 20 year old players that are coming into the league because of that. You know that you want to develop them, you want to build them, and then eventually they're going to jump to Europe and. You get a great player for a couple of, of years, and then you also get some money, a surplus, once they go to England or Portugal or the Netherlands or Norway, like like happened with Wingo. What is the normal path to get into the European um, European leagues? Uh, do you have? To, is it easier for a South American to come here? Is it easier visa-wise to get into certain leagues versus others? I mean... DeAndre Yedlin's having a tough time getting a work permit, it sounds like, in uh, in, in Newcastle. But I don't know if, if, if that's just because of, of Brexit or if that's just I think, the team. I think it's not. team laziness. <laughs> that's what that comes down <laughs> just to. Because he's had a work really permit to get... for the past, what, five years? So yeah, for it to suddenly solved. be an issue when he's having a fallout with the team to a certain extent is, is suspect to me. I mean, it'd be pretty pretty horrible if that ended up being the case as to why they didn't file his paperwork. But... Teams like that in the excuse me in the Premier League employ people whose full time jobs are to make sure that all that paperwork is in order on on a consistent basis. So, um, yeah, that's, oh yeah, that seems that seems deliberate. It, it's very, it's, yeah, it's, it, it it does feel deliberate, and you know if it sours him, and it sucks because he's he's coming back from from injury and is still a really young dynamic player who can do well over there. But you know, I I wouldn't mind having him back home. Are the Sounders going to be looking elsewhere? Are they, are they going to be going to untapped uh, untapped uh, talent in Eastern Europe, say, um, or you know Turkey, uh, and you know try to try to get some second tier players over? Or what does that look like? Does the is the focus going to stay on South and Central America for recruitment, or um, do we think we're we're going to uh, going to expand and maybe get more uh get more folks from you know uh from from southeast asia or central europe or what does that look like going back to a great conversation that i had with chris henderson and we had so many uh i think that the networking and the theory that sounders has is that sometimes they go away from wherever the market is hitting so right. if the market is hitting colombia right now they're probably not going to go to colombia they're right. probably going to go and stick with uh, Europe. Um, if it was in Peru, well, it wasn't in Peru before, and they kind of went there uh, yep. before anybody else started some of that wave. Uh, so I think that they will continue to work uh, in various places. Um, obviously, to me, uh, South America is a great place for talent. You can go out there and find yourself a fantastic player for a very cheap um, number. However, because of that market, wing wing and, and switch and everybody mm-hmm. starts to realize hey colombia players have some value now you're starting to see the two million yeah. the three million transfer yeah. fee so th- that's what's really going to dictate what you're going to do but to answer your question i think seattle will continue to stay away but listen here the uh, audience you guys <laughs> as well do not be surprised if seattle doesn't do anything uh, in this window right. there's yeah. just too many question marks Going from what's going to happen with Jordan Morris, when is the league going to start, what's going to happen exactly, Uh, am I going to bring in a guy that uh, perhaps is not going to be able to play for me and I'm trying to get his visa paperwork. So don't be surprised if that happens. And then in the summer window, we'll see exactly how much of a budget Seattle has to work with in terms of new players. 
any any kind of uh, strategic change like that's going to have a very long tail. Uh, so yeah, I can definitely I can definitely see where you're coming from, sir. Um, so maybe this is a good time to kind of transition over to uh, what collective bargaining looks like and where where players are. You have your ear to the ground with players all the time. I know that and. Um, how are, how are the players feeling? I mean, not any specific player, but how are players feeling about where we are right now with, with bargaining, with the league threatening lockout kind of subtly, uh, not coming back with numbers that they're looking for or any meaningful shift in their, in their bargaining position. Uh, where are players right now with that? Uh, look, Steve, uh, over the last week, I've spoken to at least maybe more than 10 players around the league. Um, and they all have the same concerns. They all um, have the same questions because, believe it or not, although they're, you know, uh, these athletes, uh, they sometimes have a tendency to not believe certain sources. They don't really know, especially if they're uh, maybe new to the league. They don't know who exactly has the right information and whoever they feel comfortable with, they want to know more information from. Uh, so I can tell you that there is a huge concern from players uh, in three aspects. One, obviously, uh, what's going to happen with the league? Is it going to start? Is it not going to start? What's going to happen? Uh, two, if it does start late, what am I doing until that happens? If this, if, if we don't start in April and we start in May, the last game I had was back in December, was back in November, was back in October. And, and, and what am I going to do? Should I go uh, maybe practice with the second division team in my country? Uh, should I be uh, worried about maybe looking for a team that I can be loaned to? Uh, if there is a work stoppage, if there is uh, uh, something like that that happens in the future. So there's a huge concern. There's also the money aspect of, of hey, am I going to get paid? Am I not going to get paid? Uh, so, so definitely uh, something that we want to look into is understanding that players are human beings just like everybody else. And beyond from the, the athlete part, and their job, their careers, they're also worried about right. their families, you know, in terms of um, their health care. And uh, am I going to be taken care of? Am I not? I mean, there is there is some concern from the players I've spoken to. Have, have you spoken to any of the players uh, that play for any of the Canadian teams, Nico? Because I would imagine that their concerns would be amplified even more about the prospect of having to spend nine months in the U.S., you know, stateside, not being able to travel back and forth and how that might affect how they're feeling about the 2021 season as well. Yes, I've spoken to one player and he he, he was uh, he he was basically saying that he doesn't believe that there that there's going to be any games in Canada. Uh, he, he just didn't see it that right. way. And uh, he was actually concerned about the fact that he feels like it's a disadvantage sometimes or, or most of the time when you're not playing where you want to be and am I going to have to travel more? Are you going to be away from my family more? Am I going to be uh, compensated for maybe being away from home more than I typically have hmm. to? Uh, so there's a lot of uh, questions, uh, but th that's a very good point. And I don't have a lot of uh, players who I talk to in, of Canadian teams, but I do have one who mentioned uh, those aspects. Yeah, no, very valid concerns. Yeah, very, very. Well, I, I imagine... For anybody that's, if we have uh, if we have guys that are in South America right now, and we don't know when the league's going to start, we don't know when the players are supposed to be back in. If there's going to be any kind of quarantine, or you know, if if like let's just start if the, if if camp opens up on the four, uh, on the twenty second of February, then do you have to back up two weeks to make sure they get into town, and then well, whatever the quarantine issues are, you know, these Canadian guys, shoot, say you're from. Uh, you know, South America, then you can't go to Canada. You just have to go directly to wherever, whether it's Portland or uh, New York or Connecticut or wherever we're saying Detroit. I have no idea what it would be like to be a player, not to mention this much time off. Like, I'm an amateur. I'm just a, I'm just an old fat dude, and I'm doing nothing but getting fatter because I'm not, I'm not going out like I was before. So I don't know if it's. Uh, if it's even feasible to see what kind of shape these guys are in, hopefully they're uh, way smarter than than the rest of us. No, but I mean that's a good point, uh, Tim, because th these guys do want to have a little bit of off time. They do want to maybe relax a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, they're all professionals, and I don't doubt they all have their regimens. But I can tell you that they all want to know when am I supposed to be ready by? Because they want to <laughs> have a couple of weeks before. Because you know, once they come in. They get checked for uh, weight, cholesterol, uh, sleep. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of testing that goes 
he wanted these players. And none of them want to come in and just look awful in none of these testings. But they also don't want to not enjoy their vacation. And there are quite a few players that are in other countries. And right now, they don't. They literally have no uh, ticket to come back home because they don't want to do that because they don't really know when they're supposed to be back. So it, it's definitely something to think of. So let's assume that, uh, let's shift again. Uh, let's assume that we're able to get back to normal play. Uh, you said it's it's not likely that we're going to sign anybody in the in the in the the winter window here, um, which you know I don't think that surprises anybody. Even in a normal year, that's not something this team has historically done a lot of is is off season recruiting. Uh, they tend to wait till the summer window, right? Uh, even when we have some pretty significant needs, uh, at, which are are very very evident right now. Uh, but what does our depth chart look like uh, from your perspective and? Um, where are we going to, you know, if there are no major signings, we, we have signed, um, a goalkeeper, uh, or re-signed, uh, um, not Cleveland, but the other guy. Yeah, Stefan no, Cleveland. Cleveland. Yep. Oh, Cleveland. Yeah, okay. He was, he so we re-signed signed. Cleveland and, um, Medranda. yep. Uh, Medranda, no major signings. Are we going to sign anybody else in the window? Uh, I mean, you know, you got your lower, uh, not lower. I, I rephrase that. Just your uh, maybe guys that are that are out of contract. Uh, I'm, I'm talking of Kellen Rowe. You know, he's someone who's obviously yeah. going to be uh, announced here at some point, I believe. Um, and there's probably going to be a couple of other players that are going to be more filling spots than anything. Uh, but I, I don't expect, and, and and you're probably not going to see any big signings, any significant. Uh, internationals coming in. You're just going to have a lot of players that are going to come in and fill spots. I think you're going to see a lot of the young guys get first uh, team contracts. Uh, but in terms of the depth chart, uh, I just feel like there's not a lot of depth. Uh, there's no depth at right back. Uh, there is a no depth at winger, a true winger. You know, right. you could play you could play Madronda there, of course. You could play Smith there, sure. You could play Doubler, absolutely. But but uh, you you don't really have a, a, a true uh, depth with guys that are proven in that position. Kevin Rowe can play that position, but is that really who you want as your starter? I guess you don't really have a choice. Um, so it, it is concerning because you lose your most valuable, your most uh, electrifying winger uh, in Jordan Morris. He's a guy that did not just give you uh, the ability to stretch out defenses, but gave you goal. Uh, someone who just uh, demanded respect from teams to go out there and say, hey, man, we got to watch this guy. we got to make sure that we're opening up. And now you don't have that. So now they're going to be able to focus in, key in guys like Nico, guys like Raul. Um, so it, it definitely is concerning in terms of the depth chart. Do you uh, do you see – Schmidt said once or, or it might have been Garth, someone mentioned, you know, not – we'll just – create a formation based on the guys we have like are we still set on the four two three one with the personnel that we have or do you think there's a possibility of maybe switching things up uh to see where you know maybe a certain opponent plays a certain style that uh, that a four two three one is going to fail in or uh maybe we should go to a different or mix it up if, if we're way too predictable and somebody's planning for us then maybe we should I, i'm just saying do you think schmetz has the ability to flip a uh, flip a switch and, and come up with something else, or are we stuck with this? Yeah, I, he definitely leaned toward that, or he insinuated that during our press conference. Uh, when I asked him about the wingers, he literally asked the question right back and asked me, what if I turned it around and changed it to a 4 for 2 Now, I would have definitely answered back, but, you know, it's his show, so I let him run it. Uh, but, well, um, let me tell you, pull up a chair. <laughs> I did, you know, and sometimes we do, but, you know, I, I wanted to respect my fellow journalists and of give course. them their time, because I'll just sit there and I'll chop it up. I have no problem with it. Uh, but, yes, that's a possibility. Do I love it? Not necessarily. I mean, depending. I put that question out there for fans and fans, uh, as much as they don't give themselves credits, and they're always the people that are like, oh, fans shouldn't talk. No, yeah. fans should definitely talk. You all have an opinion. Yeah. I love to hear it. There were some of them who believed that maybe going to a 4-4-2 with, with a diamond in the middle, in which you know you had Joe Paulo playing as a lone six and Nico as a 10. That leaves a lot of uh, openings, and I don't know if Joe Paulo has the range to cover that much uh, field, but especially with 
with, with not a lot of wingers that you can really rely on to maybe help sure. out on defense at this point in time. Uh, but there are options. He uh, Brian did mention a four four two uh, with Will Bruin uh, up there helping Raul Rodriguez yeah. uh, get a little bit more open, take away uh, a little bit of that that pressure the defenders can put on him. Uh, so it's a possibility as long as we don't go to a five man or three man back line. I'm fine. Right. I, I don't. I don't oh, like God. that. I don't like the three center backs in the back. I don't think that's what you should do. So don't well, stay a- away from that. It's fine. We were pretty successful with uh, with four four two diamond as uh, with uh, Clint Dempsey as that sharp uh, that razor sharp tip of that diamond. Right, uh, we had some some pretty good years with that that young man. Yeah, absolutely. And if, we can... and, and, and if you have the players, but back then you had Ozzy Alonso. And Ozzy yeah, had, yeah. Had, uh, I mean, he was in. He, he was. He has this V eight engine in his chest. You know, he has mm-hmm. uh, the, the knowledge and the sense. Uh, I'm not saying that Jaw doesn't have it because he definitely showed that he has that that smartness, that field awareness to mm-hmm. uh, really know how to cut angles and how to be at certain places. Uh, but I don't know if he has the range. I, I still don't. Uh, he had uh, some poor performances throughout the playoffs. Um, I think he's a very good player. I think that he helps in a huge sense, uh, especially coming out from the back. He's so precise with his uh, switches and uh, putting balls in between lines. And uh, even Nicolas Adero told me that he enjoys the fact that he doesn't have to draw back so far because he knows Jafalo can really open it up from the back. So uh, I think he brings that in. But in a diamond, you just have a lot of space to work with. Uh, so, yeah, I'd like to go on, piggyback on what Nico said. Uh, uh, as long as we don't have five in the back, I'm fine. Um, I mean, if we we will probably have in uh, Brad Smith a, a left back that can get up the field, but we've seen what happens when Nuhu does it. It's it's fun to watch, but it's scary as all hell. <laughs> um, you know, maybe we have a, a you know a back four that for the most part stays home, and then uh, you know maybe we can keep two up top and and. Yeah, like he said, it spreads out the the center backs, and who knows? Maybe if we turn the ball over, then we can have two guys chasing down uh, their their attempts at passing around the back instead of just you know passing around Raúl by himself. I don't know. Anything's possible. I'm just glad that they have the, they're not so rigid in their uh, like this is this is what we're going to do, and and whoever we put it in that spot is just going to have to do it. Yeah, we only save that attitude for cup games, right? <laughs> oh god! Oh, oh, okay, okay. Can we can let that. Can, we can let the cat out of the bag. Schmetz basically admitted to trying to just go through the first half with the guys that he had, and then we'll make adjustments at halftime. But he admitted mistakes were made, and I commend him for that because we always want everyone to like. I know you mean in the cup, cup final in yeah the the, the cup that we don't want to talk about. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he admitted like. There were some some uncharacteristic mistakes from people. He didn't throw Jones under the bus like we did, but I wish he did. He loves Joven somehow. But, um, yeah, he, he basically said we, we stuck with the guys we had, and we thought we were going to keep it close, keep it to zero, and then make adjustments later. And, unfortunately, we were – were we down to nothing by halftime? Yes. Yeah. No, oh, Dan. Brian Spencer's right. never going to throw his guys under the bus, no. even when they do deserve it. He he's a player's coach. He's a fantastic guy. That's why he got the extension. He deserves it. Uh, <laughs> and he, and yeah. he's just never going to be that guy that's just going to dog a guy in front of everybody. Yeah. He he probably does it internally. Him and Gonzo sure. maybe go down there and show how you <laughs> were being told by Alex Rodan to draw back and you never did. Um, you know. Maybe that's what happens. Not to name names. I was say no. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to see that that text string between uh, Smith oh, and, and Garth. And, but publicly, know. right? I mean, you're right. you're absolutely right. Publicly, it's always we. We were playing like crap in the back. We were. Uh, we weren't. Uh, we weren't uh, connecting passes in the midfield. We weren't finishing crosses. We weren't positioning well. We weren't staying. A lot. You know, it's it's a it's it's a team sport and a team effort, and he always treats it that way, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I do like it. All right. So, was there uh, before? You, I know you want to break uh, before that. Well, since we're talking Schmitz. Was there ever a chance that he was not going to come back? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, uh, it, it did look a little murky uh, for a bit, uh, but I think it was just because they were trying to keep it quiet. But I think they always knew they had to do it. And how close were we to losing any of his supporting staff besides Henderson? I mean, I think you were very close Henderson's to losing uh, 
Pineda. Gonzo and I think Pineda. he was smart enough to maybe ask for what he thought was worth it, going to a team that has no sort of sense in their roster as in DC United. Yeah. I would not want that job. I well that's what we were I mean, in, in our threads we're like, just go anywhere but DC. Go to a team that knows what they're doing. Go to a team where the manager got promoted out of his yeah. job, not got fired. Yeah. Go somewhere because it sucked. Go where go where they know what they have in you. For sure. So so everyone's here for the next couple years or is it just a matter of time before Gonzo gets plucked or Traore gets plucked. Yeah, that's, that's hard to say. Trekkie gets plucked. That's hard to say. I think I think Jimmy and and Pineda are always going to have a, a lot of desire and, and interest from a lot of teams. I do know that Gonzo is very happy in the United States. His family has adjusted well. He loves it here, to be honest. Uh, I'm sure that in a perfect world, he loved to stay an assistant. And then once Brian moves on, he would be the head coach. Uh, but if the right offer comes up you know you, you got to move ladies and gentlemen you are listening to the flounders b team podcast we're going to take a little bit of a break with nico moreno of pulso sports network uh and sounder at heart uh when we come back we're going to talk about uh, an interview that nico had with uh nicolas lodero uh in uh while he's down there in uruguay so um let's uh come back this is a Channel 253 podcast, channel253.com forward slash membership, $4 a month, $40 a year, gets you all kinds of great member member benefits like a newsletter. You can join the member Slack where everything is popping. John, how popping is the member Slack? Um, very popping. <laughs> it is very popping. We had a lot of stuff happen in Tacoma this last week uh, around police brutality. Police officer ran over an, a human being for basically no reason. And um, so we had some definitely some hot takes and uh, all the community meetings that were that were that came out of that. That was absolutely a fantastic uh, place to be while we watched the horrible unfold. Um, so um, if you want to be in the know, you want to be on top of all the cool stuff happening in Tacoma and all the folks that are trying to make uh, bad stuff stop happening in Tacoma. Well, channel 253.com forward slash membership and you can be a part of that community uh how's that sound tim that sounds terrific steve right on um so with that we'll be right back with nico moreno hello this is eric hanberg host of the channel 253 podcast we art tacoma it's no secret that tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now and whenever i have a question about what's happening i take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie marguerite martin I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. Flounder's B-Team is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, Give Me the Mic, and... Members only, off the record. And welcome back to the Flounders B-Team podcast. Of course, we are in studio with Nico Moreno. And by in studio, I mean on the Zoom. So we're not touching each other, you know, sharing all those germs. Everybody's being safe. Uh, Tim Hamilton from the Compounded Bonnie Lake. How you doing, bud? 
I'm hanging in there. Right on. Uh, yeah. Right on. Just doing it. John from an undisclosed location in... Maybe. 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 You could Maybe. be somewhere. I oh, could be. I, I'll bleep that or something. Undisclosed <laughs> location in... Beep, 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 right. beep. And VPN. Nico from uh, Central Puget Sound. Uh, we'll just call it that. All right, yeah, we'll cool. call it that. <laughs> nice and comfortable at the house. <laughs> that clock is amazing, my friend. That is a great clock. Oh, yeah. That, that's the wife, man. That, that's yeah. the wife. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sharing my space with my daughter uh, and all her uh, her stuff from her oh, school. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. The, the, it, the, that's, a, that's just a, a wild thing. My wife's a teacher, of course, and, and doing the online learning has been definitely an interesting challenge this year. Uh, so uh, kudos yeah, no, for everybody that's absolutely. you know trying to work and, yep. and coach their kids through online learning. Holy cow, how hard has it been? Thank God for my wife, man. I, I do it maybe uh, once or twice a week, and I don't know how she does it, man. I, I can't get work done. <laughs> <laughs> uh you and me both my friend and i don't even have kids in the house boy um so <laughs> well i got one t- i got a teenager but he he's he pretty much feeds himself so it's it works <laughs> out uh, all right so yeah you broke a big story uh on sounder at heart um uh, where you had a, a an interview with nico Mor- uh, nico moreno nico nicolas ladero um of course uh, uh midfielder for the seattle sounders how did that go how did that come about uh, is that something you can talk about <laughs> yeah well that the, the nico square uh talks are always fun you know nico <laughs> and nico uh, i love those he's uh a very um, intelligent and 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 uh, not just intelligent, but uh, very well spoken. And he really goes into uh, what he really feels, and he he loves the city, loves the team. Uh, so, long story short, we were able to uh, be fortunate enough to unexpectedly um, get a conversation with the Sounders captain. And considering everything that was going on with the team. Uh, it was kind of my obligation to just <laughs> get his takes on, on absolutely everything because uh, we see the fan base uh, and all their concerns, and he understands that. He even mentioned that uh, when you're talking about Chris Henderson leaving, Jordan Morris leaving, uh, the players that were important last season were no longer there. Kelvin Leardham, Gustav Svensson, all these leaders. So it, it, we had a really good conversation. The center of heart piece basically goes over uh, mainly Jordan Morris and uh, his move to Swan City. And the reason of that is because there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> when, when I was talking to him, mm-hmm. he struggled to give me an answer. And, and he literally said, Nico, I got mixed feelings. There's a part of me that is extremely happy for a hardworking, humble guy that deserves moving on to the next level. And then there's the part of me that, along with the whole city, I'm sure, does not want to see this Seattle icon leave, this very crucial player to the team go. Uh, so, so it was interesting reading him, you know, face-to-face because we had a Zoom uh, talk and then putting it in writing on, on him being a teammate, a leader, and a friend all in the same conversation and trying to put it all together to talk about Jordan Morris. So th- that was really cool to see from him. What's the what's the big through line with uh, with Nico with respect to how things are going with the team, what the expectations are for 2021 and how, and how we're going to be doing? Well, Steve, you, you definitely catch on, on on what I'm trying to say here with the story. And that's the fact that uh, Nicolas Ladero uh, does show some concerns. He, he shares that. He, he's very open about it. Uh I'm not saying he's not he's not thinking his team is capable uh, of winning another championship because he literally focused that. The whole conversation we had was about how he wanted to get here and in the three more years he has with the team, he's going to win another championship. That's his main focus. That's what okay. he wants to do. And he believes in this team. But he understands that there's a transition period when you lose key parts, key components of a group. And he was talking That's about right. Chris Henderson. He's talking about Jordan Morris. He's talking about all these players that are no longer here. So he definitely made it seem like there was going to be a transition period to really 
get used to a, a new team? Who, who are the players coming in? Uh, are we going to have to wait for uh, other players? What's really going to happen with Jordan Morris? So there was definitely some concern from uh, a leader that wants the best for his team, but ha also has to be very realistic that you're losing a lot of valuable players on the pitch. Here, are there any concerns about the quality of player? Whether uh, whether Jordan should have uh, should have left? Uh, no, he was actually. Uh, we did go into um, the the fact that uh, he thinks that Jordan's going to be very successful, uh, and it was the right moment for him. Uh, he, he he really thought that uh, his game would translate well because of his speed, because of his power. He even went a little bit in depth into who he was as a person. Uh, I love the fact that he mentioned that uh, when he would talk to Jordan about things he had to be better at or he had to improve, Jordan wouldn't just listen, but he would actually put it to work in the next training session or in the next time he was out on the field. And uh, he basically said that there's a type of – quality that makes a successful player uh, he did say look i've never played in england so i'm probably talking just nonsense <laughs> but he did say that he, he believes that he, his game would translate well i mean nico played in in the netherlands he, he played in some great leagues across the, the, the world so he, he knows what he's talking about but he, he was just being humble and, and, and kind of letting me know that he's never played in england so he, he just believes in his teammates <laughs> We, you know, we certainly touched on it uh, a little bit, but that game today, uh, uh, Swansea, Jordan Morris, um, you know, uh, uh, the 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 very near debut <laughs> of Jordan right. Morris. Uh, so uh, there's a, a little bit of a um, John's got a good good view on this. Uh, how did that uh, how did that play develop, or how did that develop that that, that Jordan wasn't able to start? Oh, or I mean, wasn't it was, able I mean to sub on. I would say that, you know, just I, I haven't watched much, you know, championship level football in, you know, in in my time as a, as a fan of soccer. But, I mean, the, the league's very physical. I mean, anybody who watches MLS will be very familiar with the play mm -hmm. in the championship as far as the physicality. And that's what it came down to. Um, one of the Swansea players picked up a second yellow um, around the 70th minute, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right, right as the time as, as Morris was finishing warming up, he had already taken off his training top. They're about ready to... to get him over to the fourth official and, and get him on the, on the pitch. And then that, that second yellow comes up and then the red, and then you're just like, well, <laughs> all right, <laughs> guess that's not happening that's today. Um, and at that point, I believe it was still, still zero, zero. And uh, my, my hope was that, I mean, just from watching that game, at least against Brentford, uh, Morris could have had a, an instant impact on, on a fairly back and forth, um, well, I guess it wasn't really back and forth. I think Swansea only had about 35% possession um, to Brentford's 65. So um, Brentford was was laying in crosses, um, you know, 21 shots on goal, I believe. So um, I guess it was more one-sided than than a back and forth. But I think I still think Morris could have made an instant impact if he had been able to make it on the pitch today. Yeah, my, my, my biggest take on today's game, and like you said, I don't watch a lot of uh, uh, the English Championship, but... Uh, Perhaps it wasn't the best game by Swansea, but the, the quality just wasn't there. And, and and in the wings, if that's what they have to show for in the team, you might as well just kiss Jordan Morris goodbye because right. they, they, they need that talent. <laughs> they need that explosiveness. They need that guy that can bring them uh, a goal scorer, but also someone that can do great crosses from either wing, uh, the left or the right side. Uh, I mean, man, it was, it was hard to watch how much right. they struggled to just get – uh, across uh, to the final third. If it wasn't for Swansea's keeper, I mean, this thing should have been a good 3-0 or 4-0. Mm. I mean, it was, it was not easy to watch. Yeah, I think they were they were definitely lucky to come away with a draw today, for sure. Even even the tie was just what seemed more of a crossing free kick, and the keeper just kind of shanks it, and then he just goes in. I mean, <laughs> yep. It seemed a little bit that way to me. No, I, I agree. Uh, did you get a sense from Nico, uh, Nicolas Ladero, about uh, how he feels about you know the possibility that Jordan Morris is not coming back, and what and 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 how much confidence he might have in a strategy, uh, at least in the short term, the first half of the season of having uh, the younger kids, the folks without a whole lot of experience, the journey folks. Uh, just kind of rotating into these important roles. Is there a lot of confidence from from 
uh, Lodero or from the other players that you've talked to that this is a, a good workable strategy? Uh, yeah, I think that they all are positive because there is that um, core group mm -hmm. uh, that goes from Stefan Fry to uh, Yamar Gomez Andrade, who he talked about, as well as Joe Paulo, who he talked about. Obviously, Raul Reed is up top. So there is a place to work with, uh, but he's very realistic to the fact that they're going to have to go out there and get somebody. He, he did mention that he expects or uh, at least imagines the club immediately going out there and finding a guy that's going to come and bring a lot of that speed and power that Jordan Morris brought to the team. So there is confidence not just in the group that they have, but also in the front office to go out there and get the talent to make this team a championship team this year because that's what Nico wants. That's what Nico feels and believes that this team still has the talent to get out here and win a championship. Was that aligned with, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you said in the first half of the show that it's not very likely that we're going to get that signing uh, anytime soon. Um, is this a summer window post, you know, potential transfer fee um, and any other, you know, any other dollars that come from that or from, you know, anything else that might transpire? Is it likely that we're going to have that high impact replacement for that role uh, in this in the second half of the season? I mean, it's all about Jordan Morris. Yeah. If they do pick up that buy clause, then of course you're going to have the money, the budget to go out there and get a big signing. If they don't, then they're definitely going to have to get out there and really scout maybe some Ecuadorian leagues, uh, maybe Paraguay and go out there and, and, get a really low cost player with a lot of potential to come and work because there isn't a lot of money that the team is working with right now with, with even with the money that they got for Wingo, uh, even with the money that perhaps you're not paying Jordan the salary as Swansea is picking him up. Even then you're not working with a lot and South America has picked up that MLS has money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when that yeah. happens, uh, I can tell you, by experience and with true knowledge that if Boca Juniors is looking at a guy uh, and a Mexican team is looking at a guy and MLS is looking at the same guy, they have three different prices for three of one of those teams. And MLS is typically on the higher end. That makes more sense now, uh, tracking back to, to what you said earlier in the show, is that uh, the, the scouts are kind of, Wherever, wherever everyone else is fishing, they try to go to a different pond for that reason. Like if we're spending a lot of time in Argentina, well, then they're going to come wise to that. The, the Yanks are going to spend some cash. Well, now us being a very fiscally responsible team, we are trying to, uh, uh, you know, find uh, find the diamond in the rough so that we're going to go now. Maybe we'll, we'll dip our toes into Ecuador or Chile or Peru or I haven't seen any Bolivian players yet, but I, I'm sure there are some out there. There's some good ones. Uh, I follow some good ones. I think that's uh, you know so certain an on tab market as well. Do you see um, players right now, whether they're on the team or in your notebook, that uh, that we can get in under the cap and that can be contributing and um, that can make this thing a successful season? Yes, I mean. In the networking, uh, I'll never show you guys my map, maybe when I retire. Uh, but, Nico's discovery list. But when I look at it, I got a big question mark uh, because of the Chris Henderson move. Uh, but if everything stayed the same as I suggest that it, it, it does, uh, I think that uh, there are some players that currently right now are in the budget that are wingers. Uh, and that they fit that prospect that the Sounders are looking for. Um, so, yes, I, I do believe that the players are out there. Uh, but I, I wouldn't expect those players to be here till the summer. No summer. Now, I see in your conversation with Nico, I see uh, his, his, his love for Jordan, but also knowing that this is going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of work. Uh, mm -hmm. to replace him and if you don't have the potential you know game breaking speed that all you have to do is slip a ball through and, and he's off now like you said uh it's going to be a lot easier to focus on 
you know, just kicking the crap out of Nico and slowing him down or, you know, bumping you know, Raul and slowing him down. We don't have it's, – it's a lot easier with four weapons than when you only have three or when you only have two or if you're a one-trick pony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What surprised you most about your interview with, uh, with, uh, with Nico Lodero? And then we'll move on to listener questions. Uh, what really surprised me about Nico is how much he wants to stay in Seattle. That, that, that's what I really got. We always hear about his commitment and love for Nacional, his childhood team where he grew up with. But the more I got into reading his body language and how he talked about the city and the team, uh, you know, he mentioned how calmly he took his vacations knowing that he was already signed for three years um by the way that's three years no option i believe uh, so there's no option on his deal it's just three years straight up uh so 2021 22 and 23 um that's basically what the deal is and uh he really wants to stay here uh i really do feel that from the fan base who he always seems to find a way to talk about because he did mention how much he missed the fans throughout COVID mm-hmm. and not having that, that, that same atmosphere behind him to the city, the club, the organization. I, I really do think that we're going to have Nico here for a very long time. And I think that, that that's one of the most surprising things because typically when you go down to the negotiation table and, you know, there's speculations of other teams wanting you and there's, there was interest from teams in uh, Saudi Arabia, and there was interest mm-hmm. from teams in, in, in Uruguay who do want him back. And he really feels so happy and comfortable to be here. It, it was just surprising to me that, that he continues to have that uh, same love for this team. Are there any, um, are there any exits, uh, potential exits uh, that you're worried about? Is there a team sniffing around uh, looking at specific players, um, you know, you, you heard a little bit about, you know, we heard a little bit about uh, interest from uh, from Turkey, uh, for instance, in in a player, a Turkish league, looking at a player. Uh, is that um, is that something that we're worried about this year, or have we uh, has the bleeding stopped, so to speak? No, I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. I think that the players that are here will be here. Um, I think guys like. Uh, Christian Roldan are always being looked at. Um, I, I am of the theory, and I say it in every single show that I've been on, that to me, Tanika Moreno, uh, Christian Roldan has all of the attributes from a uh, soccer aspect to a personal intangible aspect to be successful uh, in in Europe, in Spain, in, in many uh, teams across the world. Uh, so I see him as somebody that could leave at some point, but I wouldn't say immediately. Uh, unfortunately for him, he doesn't get the same marketing or uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the positions he's played that maybe sometimes uh, give you a lot of that um, you do the dirty work, you know, you're doing a lot of the defending and you're doing a lot of the other things that maybe you don't see on tape. Uh, but I do think he's one of those players that could leave, but n- not, not this year. I think that the team that we have now, uh, or the Sounders have pretty now, stable. Uh, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Now you said, uh, you, you mentioned Saudi Arabia and it just had, a, I made a thought jump into my head. Have you heard, this is not Sounders related. Uh, heard anything about Sebastian Juvinko? Yes, I've I looked into it, and I have not confirmed anything. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, t- to me, I-, I don't know if it's as developed as a lot of reports that have been out there have suggested. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's been a change in management. There's been a change in, in, in um, the, the, the coach. And so maybe some of the things and some of my contacts down there uh, perhaps are still trying to get used to the new, the new people that are coming in. But as far as I've been able to find out, me personally, I have not been able to confirm any of the reports that there is some sort of developing negotiations for Jovinko. So there's rumors. I mean, basically, just to, to wrap this up, there's rumors that uh, Jovinko could be headed to L.A. and uh, to basically fill the void left by Pavone. And then that makes more sense if, if his relationship with Vanny is real good because they work together up in Toronto. But that's that's as far as I got. So 
And that's uh, what it is. Can... You know, so sometimes people make that assumption. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying that that can happen sometimes if Chris Armas goes to a certain team and then there was somebody who he played with before, then uh, they're going to make that connection, right? Uh, that same thing happens here with Jovinko. Uh, obviously, Saudi Arabia is a league that has a lot of players coming in and out. Um, so is it a possibility? Uh, maybe, but have I been able to confirm that? Absolutely not. Uh, so Nico, uh, thank you so much for being on, uh, wouldn't be a Flounders B team show if we didn't have a couple of listener questions at the end, uh, hoping you Love can the address in a couple of these. Yeah. So Kevin Zamira from Tacoma asks, uh, who's replacing Henderson and how big of a loss is that? Obviously we covered that pretty heavily in the last, um, in the first segment, but if you had to pick one person right now, who would it be? Nico Moreno. If I had to pick somebody, it'd be Sean Henderson, but that's not going to be the case. If I had to bet, I would think it's somebody out of the organization with some GM-ish or uh, youth development uh, uh, background. Uh, I think that that's what's going to be the case. I don't think it's going to be an in-organization move. Um, But if it was up to me, I I love Sean Henderson. I I go a lot for that um, uh, hire for attitude. And I think he has the right attitude. He has the right connections. He knows the right people. Everything else you could maybe learn down the road. Mm-hmm. But that part of that that aspect to me is so important that I would feel comfortable with him filling that void. Uh, we talked about it with uh, some of the uh, beat writers here, uh, Jackson Feltz and Mickey Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a good conversation with Matt Pence. And we were talking about this kind of like uh, Kobe and Shaq separating. That, that's what it was. You know, Garth. And Chris are like Kobe and Shaq. One dynamic went away. Ha, the, the dynamic duo, right? One stays, one goes. What happened to the Lakers? They kind of had to be, uh, Mickey, I believe, said, yeah, it's going to be more like Kobe and friends, you know, when it was Kobe and just everybody else. <laughs> I don't think they're going to find their Paul Gasol immediately. I think they're going to just bring a whole bunch of guys around, and eventually they might find their Paul Gasol. But uh, at this point, I, I, I don't see anybody within the organization going up for that position. Okay, so without uh, busting into your list, Kevin also wants to know, who are the Sounders bringing in other than a fourth goalkeeper? If you could say a name right now within the next two months, uh, collective bargaining agreement notwithstanding, who would you bring in? A fifth and a sixth goalkeeper. Kevin, if you want to be on the show, join us. Otherwise, (laughs) mind your business. Wow. Wow, some shade to a former (laughs) cast member. Unacceptable. What do you think, Nico? Uh, I don't have anybody in mind. I mean, aside okay. from Kellen Rowe, who, who's obviously going to be coming in, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have anybody that uh, I'm looking in within the uh, within MLS that's out there that I think is a go-getter. Uh, I know people don't like him, and I know people had a lot of bad things to say about him, but I thought Miguel Ibarra was a decent player. Uh, I would say he's a good player for a low-budget and uh, he just didn't get a lot of chances. He didn't get any play time. Uh, right. And whenever he did get play time, things happened. You know, he wasn't able to go with the team or travel with the team. Uh, luck perhaps wasn't on his side uh, in certain ways. But I-, I would bring back a Miguel Ibarra. You know, you- you're-, you're lacking wingers. Why not? Do you think uh, – do we have um, the ability to – I mean – Whatever cash we could throw at him, do you think he? What was he on? Was he on a, a couple hundred grand contract? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know if he'd take? I mean, we we waived him. Would we take him back at his current rate? Would we just you know, without insulting him, offer him less and like, okay, yeah, fine. You I know, think as long maybe. as he got play time, and that's kind of yeah. hard to guarantee. I think he would come for either what he was making before, or maybe a little less, perhaps. I could uh, very much see that happening, uh, just because we he need, hasn't been we picked need some up bodies. yet. He, he has had uh, interest from a couple of teams. Uh, I'm still going over some. Uh, I thought I was going to have some news last week, and I didn't. So I'm hoping to have some news this week on it. And uh, if it's not out there, I mean, I would go out and get them. I mean, you you got what 21 players, I believe, right now with the two players you signed up. So there's room there. Um, and as much as I love the kids, I love the young guys, uh, I always think that a good veteran presence is important on the locker room. Yeah, you should probably 
my only my opinion you bring bring the kids on but just surround them with veterans so that you know if they're going to fail they're going to fail up and they've got guys around them to to help uh you know just take care of them you know you slip here you make a mistake there i got you baby i'm your safety net all right and you and you got a lot of these kids that i feel like they deserve some time and there's a there's a certain thing about tenure and i know that that the brian likes to have the players win their spots on the field, but guys like Danny Leva, I feel like you're going to have to play them. And if you're bringing more kids on and you start playing those kids, they gotta have those experience. can create some issues with that player. Just like it happened with Han Wallawana at some point. He yeah. felt like he deserved to be out there. He should have been out there. That created some issues and that he ended up leaving. So I don't want that to happen to uh, a yeah. lot of these younger kids that have been playing for the team. Seems like that's a it's a safety position almost sometimes that that they'll have a, a bench a mile deep but they won't sub anybody until the 89th minute and um, the, the so these these younger guys just aren't getting competitive play and you got to get those minutes you got to get those reps in in real life right that's right yeah. uh, last question so this is from Rich Coker in the member Slack. What are the greatest challenges to determining which players will be a good fit with a new team? What factors do the best scouts look for to make those choices? You touched on a little bit earlier, I think, but yeah, what are your top couple? That, that's a fantastic question, and, and, and it's really a complex answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I had to just right off the top of my head, um, I would say maturity. Uh, ability to work for the team. Mm-hmm. And these are things that Seattle looks for. The, the ability for you to come in and really work for the team. Um, versatility is something that Seattle typically looks for, that I would look for. Somebody that perhaps can help you, not just in one position, but can manage others. Uh, you know, you can you play both wings? Uh, can you be a 10? But you could also draw back and maybe help out at defensive mid. Uh, are you a, a striker that can, yes, play alone, but uh, perhaps you can uh, get a little bit open or play a little bit wider uh, if there's going to be a 4-4-2? Uh, so that versatility is important. Uh, and finally, obviously, the physical aspect, uh, which is acceleration, speed, uh, finishing skills, uh, th- those attributes depending on the position, right? If you're a defender, uh, typically you go for a defender that's quick, that uh, has uh, the physical aspects that can uh, be uh, short to come off uh, from the back, you know, is are you a good passer? So all those things are important. Uh, so basically in a nutshell, that's some of the most important things that scouts look for, the intangibles outside uh, of, of the field that are key uh, is, are, are they, uh, have they had a past of, either domestic violence or drinking or partying issues. Seattle has dropped on some guys, uh, and I'm not going to say any names, but they were very close to a certain player that there were some stories about him being more of a party animal. They digged a little bit deeper, and uh, that player did not get brought on because of it. And I think that's what Seattle has always done so well, and what specifically Chris Henderson did well is, yes, we're going to look for the most talented guy, but also – someone that can be a good person, could be a good addition to the team. Oh, Dave Clark uh, uh, chimed in oh, on the Twitters, and he asked, uh, can you recruit Freddy, F-R-E-D-Y Freddy? Didn't say last name. I'm wondering <laughs> if it's Montero, since you have that Colombian connection. Absolutely, Freddy. He definitely needs Montero. Uh, yes, uh, I mean, uh, I could de- definitely put in a good word. Uh, uh, we are in speaking terms, uh, and, uh, you know, if, if I could get my cut from the top. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, I think that he's a player that eventually maybe he'll come back. Um, he's always looking into Seattle. He's always enjoyed it here. He is going to have a forever connection here uh, with his business, with his family. Um, so uh, I would love to help him scout, though. <laughs> yeah, man. Nico Moreno interviewing for the scout position right here on the Flounders <laughs> B-Team podcast. Just go down to South America with uh, with – with whatever Henderson we have left and, uh, you know, help translate for him. And there you yeah, go. Cell phone you and go. dream, Tell man. Which restaurants to eat at, which restaurants not to. Uh, hey, oh, one more question. Who's our next uh, left back? You know, how many more left backs <laughs> are we going to get on our roster? You already got another one. It's even Madronda. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? so our left back depth is Madronda, uh, Nuhu, and... And Smith. Smith, okay. Yeah. We're trying to I'm corner the market. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, we're going to pick up all the goalkeepers, and then we're going to be able to you know hold them until the price goes up, and then we'll sell them. I got my money on Waylon Francis coming back. <laughs> we're tra- oh my god, <laughs> we're gonna. Does that mean? Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're gonna sell them short, like GameStop stock or GameStop stock. No man. <laughs> right on, man. Uh, we're so, stocking up like toilet paper. That's man. right, that's man. I tell you what, just in case. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Flounders B Team podcast. Uh, once again, Nico Moreno, thank you so much for giving us a, a look into your uh, into your your day, your life, and and how you do uh, the things that you do that make this community just a little bit better. Um, do you uh, the piece itself? Is that uh, yeah, you guys will be able to find that. Uh, the first part, which is obviously what we just talked about, Nicolas Sodero talking about Jordan Morris, some of his concerns uh, at Sandra Hart. That's going to be for you guys out there already. And uh, within the week, there's also going to be other stories coming out through Pulse of Sports. Uh, but some of the other things he talked about that I want to uh, get more in depth with. And finally, we're going to have the entire um, interview in Spanish uh, for you guys to see. Uh, with a special guest at the end, uh, Lele, uh, his son kind of jumped on his lap and, <laughs> and, and, and talked to us a little bit at the end of the uh, interview. That's right. Uh, rocking his Pac Northwest jersey. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of kind of cute. Um, so, yeah, you guys can see that at Pulso Sports uh, on YouTube, Pulso Sports Twitter. Um, as well as uh, PulsoSports.com, All right, and we'll have links to uh, uh, whatever's out uh, right now on the show notes, of course. We'll have a link to the hour-long press conference that you were uh, with, with uh, uh, Garth Lagerway. Uh, that, There's some good stuff there. Yeah, the bullpen there. And um, uh, with that, once again, thank you so much for, for being with us. Uh, you're a staple on the show, and, and for good reason. No, thank you. I always appreciate you guys bringing me on. You guys know that uh, this is a home away from home. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing but the best to say about Founders B Team. Uh, I love that 253 community. I hate what you guys have been uh, put through uh, lately. And uh, oh, yeah. I always hope that uh, part of uh, my reporting and and uh, the, the things that we do uh, take you away from a little bit and give you guys, you know, a little bit of entertainment with everything that goes on. Uh, I appreciate that uh, community that follows Tacoma Defiance, that follows the Sounders. So a big uh, hug for me uh, to all oh, of your thanks, audience. Man. I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, it's been a rough year for everybody. Thanks for uh, hanging in there and providing that fantastic coverage. Uh, Tim Hamilton, thank you so much for joining. Sure, yes, sir. Thanks for having me. (laughs) John Murphy, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure, Steve. Once again, you're listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. We are a member of the Channel 253 Network. Subscribe at channel253.com forward slash membership. You can subscribe for free, listen to all the shows, no problem. But if you want those little extras, just go ahead and go to channel253.com forward slash membership and uh, get in on the conversation. And with that, I think we are out of here. This is Channel 253.